The scripture today is from Amos 7, 7 through 15 in the Common English Bible. And you can find that in your pews today and page number 1116 if you'd like to follow along. Hear now the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? A plumb line, I said. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the middle of my people, Israel. I will never again forgive them. The shrines of Isaac will be made desolate, and the holy places of Israel will be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, reported to Israel's king Jeroboam, Amos has plotted against you within the house of Israel. The land isn't able to cope with everything he is saying. Amos has said Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will be forced out of its land. Amaziah said to Amos, You who see things, go, run away to the land of Judah, eat your bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's holy place and his royal house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Is everybody doing well? Good. I am doing well, too. And I am happy to be here to share from this passage with you. At the conclusion of this reading, it has been said, this is the word of the Lord. And did you say amen? Yes. And you said amen to this word that also showed us that God will not forgive. You said amen? Yeah? Or did you read that or did you hear that? Because it is said, I will never again forgive them. It is here. Well, um, I'm thankful uh, for, uh, to the Lord and thankful for the fellowship that we have here, the welcoming and the, uh, the commitment to, to know the Lord, to follow the Lord, and to, uh, to do Christianity in a way uh, that uh, is according to what we are reading in the scripture. And the reason why we go back to scripture is to nurture our faith, to add to what might be missing, and to be comforted in what we have already gotten right, right? And sometimes uh, we, we read certain passages that uh, 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 give us uh, to ponder, and, uh, and one of those passages is the one that I just read. Because it is God speaking uh, through Amos and say, I will never forgive again. So that's, that creates some kind of dissonance uh, in our mind because we know him as a God who forgives. 
And so because we are in, in front of this difficult passage, I would like to invite you to uh, follow me so that we pray. And uh, as, uh, as I share, may the Lord speak to you, just speak to us, and even beyond my words, so that uh, we can be able to embrace what he has for us today. So, Father, we come before you that you will indeed open your word, um, break it so that we can be able to understand, make it uh, our friend, even in the way you are speaking it. As we understand, we understand your path that you are creating through these words, may we joyfully embark on it, walk in it, and uh, be ultimately joyful that uh, you are the one who has called us uh, in this way. May your spirit uh, work among us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I am... Uh, um, uh, the first time I, I read this passage last week for, uh, in, view of this, uh, uh, in, in view of this sharing, as I was meditating upon it, I remember a significant event in my life that might not be pleasing to you as you listen to this because it is an event of me being spanked by my, by my dad. Have you ever been spanked by a loving dad? Yes? Okay. Well, uh, there is a point there by a loving dad, right? So, yes, I was spanked by my dad probably several times, but I remember one particular where he followed me uh, up, to rea uh, uh, up to where I was, you know, messing up with him, and then uh, he spanked me and took me back to school. So the story was that I was not uh, a, very, um, a very good kid growing up. <laughs> um, I, was, uh, I was unruly. I, I was not taking care of my, my studies very well. And uh, I will make I, I will make stuff up. I will put on my school uniform, because we had school uniforms back then, take my bag and pretend that I was going to school. But then I will be in the neighborhood, find some kids who are also not going to school and will be playing together, play soccer, play different kinds of games, and then up to when school time is over, then I come back home and as, uh, pretending as if I have been to class, right? And, uh, well, because there is a proximity between the school and, uh, and our family, sometimes school teachers will come and knock at the door and say, hey, Segwin was not uh, uh, in school, what, what happened? Dad will say, when? And then uh, he realized that, but he left home. Where did you go? I will make stuff up, right? So one day, uh, he followed me, and uh, 
figure out that uh, instead of going to school, I landed at that place where I was playing. I would be playing with my friends. So then he spanked me and said, go back to school. I do not recall having done that again after being spanked. <laughs> I, do not, I might have, but I don't recall. So later on, our dad sat us down and said, you know why I am insisting that you should go to school? My dad never made it to school. Uh, he never, you know, he, he was not in grade school. In colonial Benin, the country where I came from, uh, he was a chauffeur. I mean, he was a driver, a professional driver, driving uh, people around in the capital city. But because our country was colonized by the French people, all the things that were being done as he was doing his profession was being done in French. So lo and behold, he never made it to school. That means he doesn't speak French. So there are intermediaries between the colonial people, that's me, the French people, and people like my dad who never made it to school, and they were the ones to serve in order to communicate so that they can get paid. These Beninese intermediaries will cut their salaries, so what they give them, they will not return them to, uh, they will not return to uh, people like my dad uh, the full amount that they deserve. So there were great injustices happening. My dad knew it, he saw it, but he could not speak to the people who were paying so that they can clear and resolve this injustice. So almost every day he lived in this, and then he made a commitment. My children will not live through this. They have to go to school. So here I was playing with what is his hope that uh, uh, this injustice will be corrected. So he didn't like that. And uh, it is out of love for me and love for our families into the future that he, he was displeased by my doings, uh, my neglecting school, and pump, pump. <laughs> Am I thankful for that today? Of course. Of course, that particular, uh, that's probably part of the reason why I am able to stand in front of you and to speak to you. That uh, uh, those things happened in the past. My dad is a centenarian person today. He's still alive, riding his bike, and I look forward next time to see him and, uh, and to have a great time with him. These are not the days that uh, uh, we are living anymore, and I do want to make a disclaimer that uh, even though I speak about this uh, as a great uh, achievement or as a good thing that happened to me, I am not uh, encouraging anyone uh, to beat their children, and especially in an unloving manner. And I hope that if you are struggling with anger and uh, those type of, uh, you know, um, dysfunctions that are part of human experience and you can uh, humbly uh, look for help. Uh, the pastor is here and uh, there are uh, a lot of kind of help that can uh, 
that can uh, serve toward that end. So I'm not encouraging uh, especially dysfunctional uh, spanking or disciplining of children. The reason why I, 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 I remember this is the way I am seeing God in this passage. In almost every church website or doctrines, you will hear that, uh, you will read that uh, the love of God, the forgiveness of God is emphasized such that this sentence from God looks like heresy as we uh, are at first reading. To depict the Christian God or the, to depict the biblical God as someone who will even say, I will never forgive again, is, is, uh, is, uh, is itching to our ears. Well, it is a side of God indeed because it is here. It is being spoken by him through the prophet Amos. And the reason why we need to hear that it is a side of him is the metaphor that is being used, the metaphor of plumb line. The metaphor of, of plumb line is very, uh, it is a very interesting metaphor because it was a tool. Uh, someone was talking to me earlier that uh, he's, uh, he's a mason, so I thought that maybe I could have I could have invited him to explain to you what this is, right? Uh, is, it a, is, there, is there a mason here? Uh, can you help me for two minutes? <laughs> no? Okay, there is none here. Uh, uh, but uh, the plumb line was, a, was an interesting tool in ancient time that is used for building, especially building walls. And uh, uh, it helps to keep uh, the structure of the wall truly vertical so that the wall can stand and, and uh, help uh, people to live with safety inside so that we do not have the kind of experiences that uh, unfortunately happened in Florida uh, a few days ago. Uh, well, this is a way to uh, to build uh, out of uh, a, a, a good design, right? So that uh, people will not be building with eyeball only or with improvisation only. They want to build in a way that it is, uh, it is, it is strong, that people living in it will be able to, uh, to live without fear and without anything that will scare them away. When built like that, a wall can serve very well. The opposite here, it is not, not building. The opposite here, it is also building, right? One can build with plumb line, and one can also build without plumb line. And to this, uh, uh, in, in the second case, one is exposing people living in the house under, uh, in, within the wall. Uh, people are, are, are exposed to great danger, including death. 
when the ancient people are, uh, are the ancient writers or prophets, and we have a lot of them, uh, lots of, uh, the, uh, a lot of usages of the plumb line as a metaphor in scripture, when they are using the plumb line uh, as, a, as a metaphor to speak about God's people, it is for the purpose of com- communicating and showing that God has a way, God has a standard through which or by which or according to which his people need to be built. His people need to be built in a way that is strong, in a way that is livable. In Zechariah chapter 4, this metaphor of plumb line is used specifically regarding the building of God's temple, right? Of God's temple. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have led the foundation of this temple. This temple. His hand will also complete it. The seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. God's therefore... We being uh, 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 the people, the temple of God today, God therefore is inviting us not just to be built anyhow, somehow, but to be built according to a certain pattern that will be strong, that will reflect his desire for us and through us into the world. Otherwise, we will be not a way of securing other people to come and live under the shadow of the Almighty God, but we might be built according to a certain pattern that will create chaos to people who come to live under or within the walls uh, that is being built. Metaphors are powerful. When we understand that, we therefore understand how God is very, very, very serious with this sentence, I will not forgive them again. Because before he said that, in chapter 7, he had already shown himself to be the kind of God that I introduced that we know better, the God who is forgiving. God is a God who forgives. This is the word of the sovereign, uh, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. That's the beginning of chapter 7 of Amos. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share has been harvested and just as the second crop was coming. When they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, So he was shown something, and then he understood it. He understood it, that this is dangerous. This is dangerous, Lord. So he cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. And as Amos pleaded this way, what did God do? He did what we want. He did what we know best. 
We know best that God is a forgiving God. And so, in verse 3, it is written, So the Lord relented. He is a forgiving God. So he relented. That means he forgave. He passed by. This will not happen, the Lord said. And verse 4, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. The sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He's so small. And what did the Lord do? Verses. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either. The sovereign Lord said. It is after those two instances of forgiving, of stopping, of forsaking the ire, the great danger that was supposed to happen, that the verse 7 that we read from this morning began. So he has forgiven, but he has forgiven a people who has continued to do the very same thing or to be the very same kind of people that they are, and this God will not let continue. He will not let this happen because that will create a different kind of war, right? Metaphorically, that will create a different kind of people and that will create a different kind of temple so that when people come under those temples, they are not secure. It can fall. It can be ruined. It can go down any time, causing death after death, as we have seen on screen recently. God is not about that kind of business. And in the book of Amos, we have several instances of what God is not supporting about his people. Uh, as living as a people without plumb line. For instance, in Amos 2, verse 6, this is what the Lord says. For the many crimes of Israel, I will punish. That means these are people who are in many crimes. Verse, uh, chapter 3, 9 through 11, announce this to the, uh, to the strong building of Ashod and to the strong building of A Egypt. Come to the mountain of Samaria where you will see great confusions and people hurting others, right? What kind of people are these? Great confusions, and they are living hurting each other. The people don't know how to do what is right, said the Lord. Their strong buildings are filled with treasure they took by force from others. These are buildings built without plumb line. 
So this is what the Lord God said. An enemy will take over the land, pull down your stronghold, take the treasures out of your strong building. To be a people built this way has never been a project from God. The people of God, image as a building, they are meant to be a secure place in the world, and through them, the world can actually experience God's way of being or God's way of living on this earth as a wonderful place to be. God is not seeing that. Amos is playing the role of a pastor in verse 3, in verse 1 through 6. Please forgive God. Please forgive God. Amos, okay, I forgive. But let me show you my people through another image. What do you have? Plumb line, okay. So what's your argument? Call a mason, ask him. You build the building without plumb line? What's going to happen? It's going to fall. So, this is, this is the context in which God uttered and said it is not going to continue because, uh, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people, Israel, I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Uh, so these are, this, this is the condition in which the people are. And in this case, you need to be like a dad who spanks a little bit, right? <laughs> because to continue to forgive, to continue to forgive in a way that people are not hearing the danger that they are, they are building uh, for themselves and for other people who might find refuge under these walls is not the kind of God I meant to reveal myself to be. But there is a, an interesting line in this passage because these are places and people who are also part of God's story. The high places of Isaac, this is part of God's story. The sanctuaries of Israel, this is part of God's story. These are not pagan uh, pagan uh, places or pagan people being spoken by. That is why I see this passage as presenting for us uh, the tales or, 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 or the examples of two Christianities. For, as I said, the, the opposite of building with plumb line is not, not, is not, not building at all. It is building without plumb line. And because of the way the places of Isaac has been built, it is not going to last. It's going to be destroyed. Why? Because it has been built without plumb line. 
The sanctuary that has been ruined, that will be ruined because, that will be built, because they have been built without plumb line. It's not going to happen. It is. They are uh, a judgment to themselves by the very nature. So we don't see God here necessarily as a wrathful God who is going and coming as a, uh, as a capricious God waging anger on people. No, he's just letting things happen because of the nature of the thing. When you build without plumb line, it's going to behave like a building without plumb line. Right? That's the judgment. The judgment consists in letting the things be according to the way they have been allowed to be. And unfortunately, there are people among God's people who support that kind of way of being, right? Who support that kind of method of building. And that's what we see in Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, who sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel, to tell on Amos. Because Jeroboam is the king, right? He is the powerful, the political leader. And, uh, and uh, this person uh, is actually Jeroboam II. Uh, he came from the line of a former Jeroboam one, And between both of them, there have been several, king, several other kings, right? Until Jeroboam II. And their reign has been awful. Awful. They were very successful, especially Jeroboam II. He was very successful militarily, conquer, won battles, but in terms of having a heart for God, committed to God, to the rightness of how God is calling the king to live in the Davidic line and so forth, zero. In fact, it is known about him that contrary to what has been the tradition of choosing God's priest very carefully according to God's heart, he allowed the priests to be chosen anyway, anyhow, from all the people, right? And so there was no rule, no standard. He was a, it was a reign of no plumb line. Build, build. Let everybody be as they want, as they chose. Build. So, Amaziah probably was one of those priests, according to Jeroboam, who has just heard Amos speak. And he was not happy because that's not good. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. And if you read what he said that Amos says, you know, it's not very exact. He made up stuff. You know, he made up just so that Amos will be looked upon badly. This is like the tale of two Christianity that we are still uh, dealing with today. Personally, individually, uh, corporately as a church, or maybe as family, or as a nation. That the distinction here, the difference here is not 
who doesn't love God or who is not using God's words or who is not living in God's tradition and so forth, just like, you know, who is not Christian or non-Christian, that's not the matter, but the way things are being built. And so, Amaziah Christianity get to Amos and spoke to him firmly. Get out, you prophet. Okay, yeah, prophet, get out. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. You, you hear the words that, that he said? Earn your bread there. Do your prophesying there. Ah, that is it. He was hired for bread-earning purposes by Jeroboam, who was this type of king, who was doing things according to the way he wants. He was fully militarily successful, but according to, uh, but to do things according to God's tradition, uh, the tradition of Moses, and doing justice, and uh, you know, uh, all these things that we hear, that is... Anger, uh, uh, angering God, right? Yes, angering God. You know? uh, seeing uh, social economic injustices, uh, 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 pagan, almost pagan worship services in God's temple. Jeroboam is not concerned by that. So, and he had priests like him, uh, uh, who like him uh, in, in this way. And probably Amaziah is that kind of priest who earned their bread by doing things in a way that suits the power of the day. He thought, Amos, if you are like me, you are serving in the kingdom like me, you need to serve according to Jeroboam, shut your mouth and earn your bread here. But if you don't want to do that, go back. Well, Amos is originally from the south, and this prophesying is happening in the north. Well, if you want to, say, to stay in the north and prophesy and do in order to earn your bread, do according to what Jeroboam is saying. But what will Amos respond? I am neither a prophet nor a prophet's son. But I was a shepherd, and I took care of a sycamore fig tree. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy. This is the side of Amos that we need to recover today, I suggest. This is a side of Amos that is so committed to God's way, to God's pattern, seeking, discovering God's, the, the, the wholeness of God and so committed to implement it that he is ready to lose any favor that will be on his way uh, to fulfilling the way God wants things to be, right? Amos himself seems to have learned this the hard way, right? That's why in the beginning you see him uh, uh, showing that God is a forgiving God. Indeed, God is a forgiving God, and he forgives people even if they are still in their injustice, right? Right? So 
So the first two visions in this chapter show him that God will relent. God will relent. Yes, God will relent. But then God finally took him to this metaphor that led him to say, no. In fact, if God continued to relent in this case, he's a bad God. Right? What kind of God is, is this? To allow a building and secure building that people will live in it and then people will crumble. That's not a good God. So he embraced the metaphor of plumb line. See, I set among Israel a plumb line. God will not be a good God if he is forgiving all the time, even in injustice, in order to encourage injustice. So, Amos said, no, 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 I mean business. In fact, look, I did not enter this for purpose of bread earning. I was not hired by Jeroboam. And I know how to earn bread. I was doing my flock tending. If, it, if I have to return to it, I will. That's, that's, that's not a problem. But the way I know God is that God is a God who wants disciplined people. He wants things to be done according to certain ways. So he asked me to go and prophesy. As you know, this church, our church, is going through a series, Prophet, King, and Priest. And you see all these three coming together in this passage in a beautiful way or in an ugly way, depending on the lens. If you are looking at it from the lens of Jeroboam and Amaziah, it's very ugly. Because it is showing that it is possible that people working from God, even in God's tradition, can use this function in a way that create, that build buildings, that means build churches today or build families today, uh, that build things that are in danger to themselves and to the rest of the world that need to come under God's shadow to find freedom and safety. But look through the lens of Amos, we have another model that we are invited to. So I leave you with these three points that about God that we are discovering in this passage. First, that God is not a capricious deity. He is not a God who is just there joyfully seeing people being beaten or beating people and having fun beating people, right? There are, there are those type of gods around Israel in the, at the time when God was building Israel. And God made sure that Israel knows that he is a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God who embraced them. In fact, that he is an approachable God. He is a God that you can negotiate with, like, most, like Amos just show, right? Stop, God. Why are you going to rain fire down? And God relented, right? So God wanted to make sure that his people knows that he is a grace-filled God. But second, God is not a laissez-faire God. He's not a laissez-faire God. He's a discipler. 
as he gets people around him into his life, into his perimeters, yeah, into, into his realm, he wants them to be adults in faith. He wants them to grow up. He wants them to be free. He wants them to lead the way so that through them, people will know that it is possible to have a community where injustices are not the rule of the day, where hypocrisy, mixing, other deities, and the one that, is, that comes out powerfully here uh, uh, is, the, is the God of money, right? That people can be in the priesthood following so much money that they do not have the word from God anymore, but they will have the word for the power of the day. It is possible, but because the people need to be disciple, God is a discipler, and he chose the plumb line metaphor to bring them back. And third, God's people, if God are these two, God's people are invited to this design-based life, a life that we see constantly is calling us to be, to become, to be built, to, be, to build up others, right, according to the plumb line. We're just not called to be reckless Christians or to build reckless churches that will be more harmful than good, right? That will bring people in, uh, in unsecure building and crumble them and, and, uh, and hurt them, hurt faith, hurt socioeconomic living, hurt others, all these junks that Amos is addressing. And so, because God has invited us to this type of Christianity, uh, we know then, uh, in conclusion, that he means business because he desires a wholesome earth through a wholesome people. Our earth is not going to be wholesome unless God sees and works with a wholesome people. Are we? Or can we be that kind of people by ourselves? I guess no. And that is why we need to examine and pray. Oh, Father, we pray that you will come to our rescue. You know our ways. And you want us to be people of your way. Visit us, shape us, sharpen us, for you have trust in us that when we follow you and do things and become like you desire, there is hope, even for the most crooked parts of this earth. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.